0: This is an RNZ podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. It's hard enough getting a movie made anyway, what with dwindling budgets, rampant egos and the willful unpredictability of the public's taste. But now you have to factor in acts of God. Given that it can take two or three years to make a film, from the first enthusiastic green light to the final exhausted wrap party, a lot can happen in that time. Take the stars, for instance. Still, we must sculpt in shadows.
1: But the old ways serve us no longer.
0: When Johnny Depp was hired by J.K. Rowling's Fantastic Beasts films, he was still the impossibly glamorous Hollywood movie star. But by the time he made it to the second film, the gloss had well and truly tarnished. Transforming villain Grindelwald from original star Colin Farrell to Depp seemed to move in the wrong direction. But it can get worse than merely fading glamour. How much would you pay to release your grandson if not $17 million? Nothing. When Kevin Spacey ran into scandal midway through shooting All the Money in the World, they had to recast at some considerable expense. As it turned out, Christopher Plummer may have been better casting all along. I do not have the money to spare. No one has ever been richer than you are at this moment. What would it take for you to feel secure?
1: More. More.
0: But aside from the vagaries of Hollywood status, there are bigger things in the world. When 9-11 happened, a number of action films were shelved because they couldn't match up to the real thing. Films like Collateral Damage.
1: What's the damage?
0: Two dozen injured, nine dead, a nurse and her little boy.
1: We have a civilian who says he saw the wolf. Did you
0: get a good look at him? Talk to him. The wolf
1: is back in Colombia, but you cannot take the law into your own hands. Thanks for your advice.
0: It could have been a star-making role for Cliff Curtis, playing glamorous terrorist The Wolf opposite Arnold Schwarzenegger, but sadly, it wasn't to be. Sometimes real life has a nasty habit of stepping on the plans of even the most routine movies, movies like Greenland, starring Jared Butler.
1: We now are getting word that the fragment has hit central Florida. Oh, my God.
0: Wait, are some more pieces gonna hit? Come on, let's go.
1: Put the skies on fire.
0: Jared Butler is a sort of B movie Scottish Dwayne Johnson. He tends to make action movies whose trailers open with the words, One Man. Whether the problem is terrorist kidnappers, a corrupt FBI chief, or a Persian army invading Sparta, Jared generally is the man to sort it out. In Greenland, though, the problem is rather bigger. Space agencies are predicting an extinction level event. We're gonna be together. Alright, get them? We're just trying to get to safety.
1: They've been tracking the military flights to bunkers in Greenland. It's their only chance.
0: Right now, the last thing anyone wants to see is an extinction-level event, thanks very much. And as a real-life pandemic sweeps the world, the easy Jared Butler solution is not only unlikely, but frankly tasteless in the extreme. Greenland was meant to come out this week, but at the last minute, the distributors wisely pulled it. If you are hearing this broadcast, seek shelter immediately. What is it? What's going on? If you are hearing this broadcast... John, go. Hang on, Nathan. Sometimes the issue isn't monumental bad taste, though. Sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes it's unwanted restraint.
1: The Democrats are getting their asses
0: kicked. We need some way to protest a more rural friendly message. Irresistible is a film with quite a lot riding on it. When John Stewart quit the hugely popular TV series The Daily Show to make movies, expectations were high. Stewart's reputation as America's top satirist preceded him at a time when interest in politics has never been higher.
1: If you can't live your principles in the bad times, I guess they aren't principles, they're just hobbies.
0: Nice.
1: John Wayne and a tractor have a baby and all you can say is nice. Really nice. Oh, my God,
0: it's so nice. Irresistible looks all right, the sort of satire with a heart that Frank Capra used to make. Films like Mr Smith Goes to Washington and It's a Wonderful Life. Except right now, nobody's interested in politics with a heart and seeing the other guy's point of view. Guys like me don't know how to talk to guys like you. Do you a bottle opener? That's a, no, it's just a twist. Oh, twist, oh, twist off. Yeah, 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 I know. Maybe he does need a bottle. Maybe use your, your vest. But I would like to offer my services.
1: Can we quiet the cows, please?
0: To help you run from Mayor Deerlocken. Whatever Republicans and Democrats' position in the upcoming election, one thing they can agree on, they want the other guy dead. Dead and buried. This isn't a time for light-hearted comedy starring Steve Carell. Is it too late to get Jared Butler in? Why are you here?
1: Because crushing the last piece of hope in your eyes really gets me off. It's good to see you. Yeah. You look fat. I'm going to make a big deal. It's on here, boys. Game on. Tons of press. Lots of money.
0: This seems a bit crazy. So this week we've chosen three safer bets. There's a real-life tale of an ageing couple travelling across India in their old Rolls-Royce and a Kiwi comedy based on that time-honoured plot, The Crime That Goes Wrong. But before Romantic Road and Lowdown Dirty Criminals, it's time for Walkies. 23 Walks, in fact. Wouldn't have hurt to have put him on a lead. Uh. 23 Walks is almost alarmingly slight. The tale of two 60 something dog owners brought together by their pets. Henry is Fern's frisky terrier. Tilly is Dave's gentle German shepherd. Fern is played by familiar face Alison Steadman, who's been in hundreds of TV series from the Colin Firth Pride and Prejudice to the original singing detective. Henry! The friends now. Are you always here? Yeah, usually this time. Over here on the fields. Come on, I'll show you. Dave John's CV is shorter, but it contains one stellar role. He was Daniel Blake in Ken Loach's award winning film of that name. The character of Dave is very much cut from the same cloth. Like Blake, he's Geordie, working class, strapped for cash, and regularly falling foul of the council. Okay if we walk with you. It's a free country. sign here please. Sure want this letter. Chase me for rent. Fern by contrast, is middle class and divorced. She finds it hard to get on with people, particularly people with big German shepherds. But one walk leads to another. The pace of 23 walks is gentle, counting off the pair's growing relationship by the number of walks on the common. Fortunately, director Paul Morrison stops counting before it becomes annoying. (laughs) (laughs) This is our 12th walk together. You've been counting. I was scared to death of Tilly. You too, if it comes to that. No. I'm only scared of you. The downside of a pace this gentle is you start to wonder if anything is ever going to happen. He's a widower, she's divorced. They get on, their dogs like each other. What's the problem? But not everything is as it seems and nobody reaches their 60s without accumulating a certain amount of baggage. (sighs) You can't make me homeless. We've given you two warnings and you keep falling further behind. I'm doing my best. Needless to say, obstacles mount up, true love fails to run smooth and even the dogs run into problems along the way. But as always in these gentle, grey-haired romances, even the most intractable issues can be addressed with a bit of give and take. Without wishing to be a big old spoiler, let me say it mostly all works out in the end. Romantic. Not sure I'm ready for that. No pressure. Now, the only reason anyone would care whether it works out or not, of course, is the charm of the protagonists. And there's no question that they're both in very good hands. Alison Steadman may do much of the thespian heavy lifting, but Dave Johns is as effortlessly likeable as he was in I, Daniel Blake. I met a man. We had the chance of something. Uno, dos, tres. He blew it. Don't forgive myself. Good. Whether he's cooking Fern a meal or teaching her Spanish, Dave's the one we most want to get a happy ending. The happy ending he was cruelly denied in I, Daniel Blake, I suppose. 23 Walks also benefits from the lovable double act of Tilly and Henry, the sweetest pair of dogs since Lady and the Tramp, which 23 Walks tends to resemble more than once. Oh, come on, you great lunk. Let's go for a walk. The old hippie trail of the 60s may have been popularised by the Beatles and their entourage, but it started out as a rather upper-class English rite of passage. The sons and daughters of the old Raj may have moved to Surrey and Sussex, but they couldn't wait to go back without the colonial baggage. People like Rupert and Jan Grey.
1: I came here in early December 1969, and as it happened, we had with us some very high-quality hashish. And now we're here. But sadly, I haven't got any hashish.
0: Rupert Gray, now well into his 70s, is still a keen adventurer. An English Don Quixote with his wife Jan, a long-suffering Sancho Panza. And a new semi-documentary, Romantic Road, follows them on their latest exploit.
1: After much debate last night, Jan and I settled on motoring across northern India. Just the two of
0: us. I say semi-documentary. Director Oliver McGarvey's crew remains unseen throughout the entire trip across India for six months, but it's hard not to think that many of the events were staged in some way. But be that as it may, Romantic Road follows our intrepid couple from their takeoff point in Mumbai in an unlikely vehicle.
1: It is 30 years since we travelled together in India. Then it was rucksacks. This time, we'll take the rolls.
0: It looks a bit small and battered, but it is in fact a 1936 Rolls-Royce, the car that does much of the donkey work on the family farm in Sussex when Rupert isn't working as a lawyer in the city.
1: Across the northern plains of India until we reach the eastern Himalayas. Turn south and motor over the Meghalayan hills down to the Bay of Bengal in time for Chubby Mellon.
0: The excuse given for this trip is a desire to reach a famous photography event being staged in Bangladesh at a certain time. As a ticking-clock motivation, it seems a little random, but at least it provides Rupert and Jan with a specific goal.
1: We come from very, very different backgrounds, and I'm very sceptical of colonialism, I'm very sceptical of these class divides, and he is at another end of that spectrum.
0: Rupert is clearly the glamorous member of the pair, eccentric to a fault but with the ability to charm and bewilder his friends and acquaintances in equal measure. Part of the appeal of this curious road movie is who it manages to rope into assisting it. For those of us who know them, they have become such an important inspirational event. That's foreign correspondent and at one time a fixture on New Zealand TV, Anita McNaught, whose brief quote there seems to have fallen foul of a sloppy editor. More unexpected is the executive producer of Romantic Road, former movie star Sharon Stone. Goodness knows what the American star of Basic Instinct saw in the adventures of a couple of English toffs. One of the things which is dad is a hunger for experiencing things. All the comments from Rupert and Jan's family and friends, from their car mechanic to the Earl of Selborne, stress that the brains of the outfit belong to Jan. But we mostly have to take that on Faith. Jan's not a keen talker, and the few times she does, we get the impression that she'd rather not. The times we have together must be acknowledged and celebrated and rejoice in our hearts because they're not infinite, they're not indefinite. And they're very precious. And we had that in India. And while the trip across India's lengthy north is interesting enough and gorgeous to look at, we're a little starved of actual incident. Mostly the romantic road goes pretty much according to plan. Even the inevitable hiccups along the way, a few breakdowns of the veteran car, red tape problems at the various borders, are taken in stride by the supremely confident Rupert. We all thought and think you were mad. Whoever we mentioned it to, the whole
1: business about driving across India in the post colonial era in a bloody Rolls Royce. Yeah, that's kind of bad.
0: For anyone who thought that Phileas Fogg, the gentleman adventurer in Around the World in 80 Days, was a clichéd figment of the imagination of Jules Verne, Rupert Gray is him to a T. Their adventures may be a bit less extreme than their Victorian predecessor, but the Grays are delightful company. You can't help feeling that they give colonials a better name than they deserve. It's incredible to be there
1: for six months and rather than just document it like an outsider, to be in it.
0: After a bit of a drought of New Zealand movies, understandably at a time of a worldwide movie drought, the floodgates have opened a bit. Following a respectable number of documentaries in the film festival, suddenly there are major features on offer too. Even more unusually, many of them are comedies. Have you ever had one of those days where everything just turns to shit? How much is in the till? 300 cash, give or take?
1: How much is in that? Rob... ATM. We can just whip it out of the wall. Is that a flare gun? N- no.
0: This is one of those. This one's called Low Down Dirty Criminals and it makes up for its obvious influences. Dollops of Pulp Fiction and Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, several cupfuls of Kiwi Classic Scarfies, with pace, enthusiasm, terrific performances, and actual jokes. A lot of actual jokes. Donnie's here. Put him on. I can't. I killed him. You killed him. Kind of, kind of. Can someone be kind of dead? He's dead. He's is definitely. Actually, the most obvious influence is the late great Larrikin director Jeff Murphy, whose son Paul directed Low Down Dirty Criminals, and whose daughter Robin co-produced it along with Sadie Wilson and Catherine Fitzgerald. It's often a case of spot the Murphyisms, from Jeff's band Blurter on the radio at one point, to the pork pie hat sported by Robbie Mangaseva as one of the villains. Well, the Los won't be on our way. <laughs> You know where it is, don't you? Where? What is the merchandise, bro? Oh, oh, yeah. oh, it's dirty. Star of the show, though, is James Rolleston as pizza deliverer and would-be low-down criminal, Freddy. He and his dead-loss mate, Marvin, decide that the only way to make your mark and live high on the hog is through crime, and they live to regret this.
1: Here, take a closer look. <laughs> is it in there, Freddy! Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I can't hear <laughs> you. No? Where is it?
0: I don't... I don't know. Lowdown, Dirty Criminals is a classic shaggy dog story as Freddy tries to explain precisely how he gets to where he ends up. That is, in a crowded room with a bunch of gangsters, all armed, dangerous and, in some cases, naked.
1: Let's recap, shall we? You have
0: A, wreck my car, and B, wreck my cape... Which means that you have C, wrecked my birthday. And I've got the two of you with a sweet little debt to pay. It hinges on a mid-level crime boss, Mr Spiggs, played by Scott Wills, like most of the performances in this film, with the dial up to 11. When Freddie and Marvin wreck Spiggs' car, they're given a simple task to do. Shoot the man having an affair with Mrs Spiggs.
1: I want Donnie dead. 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 Dead!
0: Fair enough. What can possibly go wrong? Well, that's a question that this film answers over and over again. One way is to confuse the would-be victim, a skinny Chinese gangster called Donnie, with another would-be victim, an extremely plus-sized Chinese gangster called Jeff. Jeff is the target of, wait for it, the upholsterer.
1: Woody. he pretty safe to say that right here is where the whole mess began. This is where you'll find him. And remember, Roy, it's important you don't kill him until after he tells you where it is.
0: Not a problem, Skip. Lowdown, Dirty Criminals has displayed remarkable sure-footedness up to now, both in David Smith's Breathless Script and Paul Murphy's Pacey Direction. But it moves up a notch with the introduction of The Upholsterer, played by Rebecca Gibney. But tell me, son, is it worth your life?
1: Is getting all the money you ever dreamed of, is it really worth dying for?
0: Hmm? Oh! Where is it? Australia's favourite TV mum, Rebecca, is both chilling and hilarious as a female crime lord. And her idiot sidekicks, Cohen Holloway and Robbie Mangasiva, are a uniquely Kiwi take on John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson in Pulp Fiction. You shot the wrong man, didn't you? It was meant to be the skinny man, not the fair man. Fair man. Really
1: fair. What about the merchandise? What merchandise?
0: Freddy stole it from him, killed him, and then gave it to you. Did the
1: fat guy give it to you? What did the skinny guy give it to you? Where is it?
0: As I said at the start, not even its best friends are going to claim low-down dirty criminals as groundbreakingly original. But a valuable lesson Jeff Murphy taught us all those years ago is if you tell a clichéd Hollywood story with a New Zealand accent, it's funny. Funny and strangely fresh. You treat me like an idiot, and I don't like it. You don't like it? I do not.
1: You know there's a saying. You teach people how to treat you.
0: What? Okay. the bad news is that the film peters out a little at the end. A comedy heist romp without a mid-credits postscript scene just feels incomplete somehow these days. And there are some scenes involving stomachs that might test the strength of yours. But the good news is just about everything else. The performances are terrific across the board, from Gibney and Rolleston at the top down to young Olivia Morphew, who steals every scene she's in. And this is a film that, unlike some, knows what to do with cameos from the likes of Thomas Sainsbury.
1: You're interesting me with your eyes.
0: What? What's going on? I'm my
1: movie. He's interesting me with his eyes. Hey, you're a little skank!
0: The script is terrific, the direction is spot-on, the characters are sharply drawn and often hilarious. And this is one New Zealand comedy that doesn't have to be protected with words like quirky or uniquely Kiwi. When a film's funny, it doesn't need any protection at all. People put some crazy shit up there. I saw this doco about drug smugglers. They get condoms full them full of drugs and stick them up their bums. It's pretty amazing what you can fit up there. The best thing about a Kiwi comedy like Low Down Dirty Criminals is it's unlikely to be overtaken by events. It's just a movie, and sometimes, like now, you just want to go to a movie. And on that undeniable fact, it's time to go. I'm Simon Morrison. I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week.